www.facebook.org on the internet. The internet? I thought that was just for advertising. And porn. Let's launch one of these cutting-edge stations. We'll play everything from Kenny G to light jazz. It's revolutionary. I like it. Don't take your musical cues from corporate broadcast headquarters. Tune into Freeform on WCBN, FM, Ann Arbor to hear DJs who care about music, not demographics. going on in here? Well, I told you we're remodeling closets. I knew this was going to happen eventually, but not so soon. Come on, it's a new year, time to start over. Plus, we need more room for all your nasty construction boots. Uh, you mean stiletto heels? Whatever. They take up a lot of space, Imelda. So what's the difference between this year's closet and last year's closet? Well, um, we're going to have more student voice, regular guest editorials. What about the music and the insightful investigative reporting? Um, oh, the gossip. Yeah, that'll still be there. Oh, thank my rainbows. Great. Let's get started. Hand me a glue stick and the glitter. Welcome to Closets Are For Clothes. Hello. Hello. Hello, and welcome to Closets... Welcome to Closets Are For Clothes. Welcome to Closets Are For Clothes. Welcome Welcome Bienvenue, bienvenido a Closets Are For Clothes Spring Break Edition. Woohoo! Yeah, and you know, for spring break, I went to beautiful... Oh, no, I didn't go anywhere. <laughs> I'm still here in Ann Arbor. It's gray, it's cold, there's no sun. Oh, well, there was a little bit earlier this afternoon. That's right. Between, I think... 2 and 2.05. Yeah, right. right <laughs> exactly. Right. I think yeah. it was the sunspot, global warming. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I hear that... The, never mind. It's a <laughs> joke this morning that, you know, the we found out that the, the sun is actually getting hotter and hotter. Uh-huh. So this global warming thing is getting out of hand. <laughs> <laughs> so... But we have another voice on That's tonight. That's right. I feel like we're plus one. We are. Uh, so we want to introduce Hampton. Hi. Hampton, is that going to be your stage name? Is it going to be Hampton, or is it going to be something else? Uh, no, Juanita. Juanita. <laughs> he looks like a Juanita. He looks like a Juanita. He no. does. I think that's his mother's maiden name or something. Juanita. Maybe, maybe in a previous life or something. In a previous life. Well, good. So we like, have uh, Juanita Hampton. Juanita Hampton. But you can just call me Hampton for short. Hampton, Hampton for short. short. <laughs> um, and he's going to be a regular correspondent and producer of segments, segment producer and um, commentator on on closets. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and oh my gosh! I wonder what he's going to comment about us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. You know. Um, 
You know, Hampton and I have spent some quality twime, time together. So twime? I, uh, twime. <laughs> we spent some quality twime together, <laughs> and I really feel like he has a lot to add to this show. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. I'm, I'm honored to hear that. And um, He's honored. I hope that I can uh, join this uh, illustrious tradition and sort of make it my own in my own way. So you pay him for that, and I'll pay I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, wow, the 20 bucks did well. <laughs> I know, right? Checks in the mail. That's yeah. It. That's right. So, so Dan, anything exciting going on this week? Well, How's your you, weekend? Well, you know, it was kind of a very interesting weekend. I'm kind of a little, I, I think I brought this up before about my family history and how I'm a little traumatized that there is just no gay people in my family mm-hmm. i'm like i'm the only gay person in the family and so you're looking at me like really no oh okay <laughs> so um and so i've been just like looking through trying to find old pictures trying to find some evidence of something because my family quite denies what is actually going on and things like this so i was just like there's got to be there's got to be evidence you know there's got to be that abraham lincoln evidence of you know right find some yellowed photograph of an ostensibly heterosexual man who's like dressed in pink ruffles right. absolutely absolutely you know exactly With what i'm looking for nets, right? right exactly so i found um i actually did find there's this this aunt of mine her name is um aunt flo Aunt Flo. Aunt Flo. Yeah, it's Aunt Florence is her actual There's name. Yes. Actually, that's really funny because I, my one of my favorite drag queens, his name's Flo. No. Yeah, and sometimes you call her Heavy Flo. <laughs> <laughs> that's cute. <laughs> so tell me about your Aunt Flo. Well, she was one of these women that, I mean, they didn't really have a lot of money and things like this. And so they spent most of their money because they lived in Arizona during the winter and then um, came north to Evansville, Indiana during the, during the summer. Um, and, and so, and I, I, every time I ran into her, every time we would run into her, she always had gifts mm. and they were always, there were, they were not like the, the fancy gifts that you would have. They were more like trinkets that she picked up for a dollar, like the, like the kid toy type things that nice. you get at McDonald's. Nice. And so I remember, but there was always, she always had something for us. It was always some gift of, oh, when I saw this, I thought of you. And one year, one time I showed up, they showed up and they didn't know I was there. I'm um, my, in uh, Evansville. And she's like, oh, and her eyes got really big. And so she ran into the car and came back with a wooden clipboard for me. Oh. We thought of you when we saw this. I mean, this is the type of stuff that you do. I mean, it was just like, it was that's just amazing. It was just oh, that's like, awesome. why? I got you, know? you this envelope that's been opened already. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes, that's exactly the type of stuff it she did. reminded do. me of you. Yes. Yeah. And so she was just this, this eccentric aunt that had no children and things. But one of the things I've always remembered about her is that, well, besides her perfume was always quite strong, um, <laughs> is um, is that she always had plastic jewelry. You know, the beads, the the stuff that, you know, that that, that you kind of macrame together. And, huh, interesting. Um, or the, like they had the like the large buttons with the small buttons, and it's always it was always all plastic. <laughs> okay. It wasn't and even the stuff that looked like jewels. You, it was total plastic. I mean, you could like, you know, it, it was amazing how durable the, these things were, or whatever. And she would have matching bracelets. Did and, she make it herself? Uh, she um, sounds like a, a professional. Absolutely. Right. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. And um and and so they were just always so gaudy. But she had the the earrings and the bracelets and the necklaces to match and things. And I I found them this weekend um, while I was going and through my mom's stuff. And you put them all on. Well, I was tempted, but I didn't. <laughs> um and uh, I was and I started laughing and my mom. Looking at me like, like what's so funny? And I turned to her and I said, "Well, I think I finally found what I've been looking for." And she's like, 
Aunt Flo's, uh, you know, jewelry? And I said, no. Evidence that there was a drag queen in my family. It's true. <laughs> the other thing you didn't know about Aunt Flo is she also went by Uncle Flo. Yeah. <laughs> Previously Uncle Floyd. Previously Floyd. Uncle Floyd. <laughs> That's it exactly. Actually, I have sort of um, an interesting thing that I, I'd try to address with you guys. Uh-oh. Yeah. And I'm going to warn you right now. I'm going to ask you a question. Okay. Right. And the question is going to be challenging. Okay. Oh my gosh. Okay. So first, I need down. to know if you guys are up for the challenge. Dennis. All right, I'm up for the challenge. All right, I'm up for it. Okay. And it's it's possible. I'm not sure, but it's possible that this could lead to a dialogue. Uh oh. Uh oh. We'll see. Okay. All right. I was reading the LGBT newsletter, and I saw this one. It says, "Lesbian, Gay, Queer Research Initiative presents the Value Horror Show." The Value Horror Show. Uh, definitely combines political satire and dark humor to expose the horrors unleashed under the discourse of morality. The Value Horror Show maps out a suspicious world where the character travels through situations with seemingly no control over what she thinks. Her moments of lucidity are quickly overcome by a growing inability to question the values imposed on her. So my question to you is, can you see how people might find this offensive? Hmm. Value Horrors? Yeah, the Value Horror Show. Now, how do you spell the, is it H-O-A-R or H-O-R-R-O-R? I think it's H-O-R-R-O-R, the double O-R. Value horror. Well, yeah, well, I don't think, well, I think certain communities could think that could take offense to it because they may be already quite defensive about some of their ideas. Yeah. Like a and Christian community might say, these, these aren't horrors, they're values. Indeed, yeah. But I mean, I mean, it's, uh... Here, let me, I mean, but okay. do you have some concept of why it might be offensive? Or? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It just seems like it would be relatively offensive if, you know, the Family Research Institute made the homosexuality horror show and it displayed the Which horrors they probably unleashed. probably do, actually. Yeah, no, that's, that's almost certainly true. But um, <laughs> the, home, the, the Family Research Institute isn't exactly a, a rational agency. Sure. And so, I don't know. I was looking at this. I don't I know. Have you met some of the people in the lesbian queer? <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding, Holly. Love you. <laughs> no, that's, uh, I haven't met any of them, unfortunately. But, oh. um, but yeah, so my question was this. Um, if this is, and I think that it's, I think that for a large portion of the population, this would be considered offensive. Then why would the LGBT support it, and what is the purpose of that? You really think that a large portion would find it offensive? I think so. Well, I think that it's a cartoonish attack on ethics, and I, I think that it's, uh, it's bad strategy for the LGBT, and it's, it's immoral besides. Well, I think that's interesting. I think that has a lot of validity, but I think the other part of it is, is that. Um, what we are to do as activists is, is to speak truth to power and to look at the things that are given to us by popular media and things that we're inculcated with in a different light. So, for right. example, so looking at Santa, like, so I know a lot of people who are people of color who don't buy into Santa. Right. Because why would they tell their children that a white man can give them something in the night that their parents can give them all year? Right. Well, so is I that don't an think attack that, on that Santa? Santa, well, I. I think that an attack on Santa would be a little bit more acceptable than an attack on values. You know, values are the structure that make our society what it is. But Santa we is use Santa character. to inculcate values, don't we? Uh, be yes. Good. We, no, you're right. You're right. We do. We do. And that's. I mean, I'm not. I'm not here saying that it's okay to destroy Santa, mm -hmm. but I think that it's somewhat more acceptable Who to exists? do that. Santa does indeed exist. Well, I. I mean, I've met the guy. <laughs> he's by the way. He dresses in a red hat, and I'm, he's gay. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. little doubt about this. Nice. No, but I mean, like, so 
And I mean, this wasn't the only one. Like, I was looking through the newsletter, and there were other, you know, instances beyond masculinity. This collection, part blog, part anthology, part audiobook, aims to shatter traditional understandings of maleness. I mean, when you talk about shattering tradition, that's a very, that's a very bold step. And to many people, myself included, that would be somewhat disloyal to your society. And I think that that's... Uh... Ah, but I think that that's exactly it. Is because society has created an ideal, an idea or an ideal of what masculinity actually is when not... Um, there's a very small percentage of the population that can actually meet that ideal. And then we spend our life trying to meet that ideal and can't ever. No, absolutely. But isn't that the nature of every value? Every value is a perfection that we can never achieve. Uh, well, sure. no. Well, no, I think, I, I think I've got some values that I achieve every day. I no, it's, and you can achieve you know, the values, the traditional values of masculinity, discipline, courage, things like that. These are things that are actually achievable. But the perfection, never. Well... I don't know. I think I'm pretty good as a femme. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, I think, but I think that that's the. But what are you doing when you're trying to perfect it to try to get to the root of it, or is it trying to get to the um, of what masculinity really is, or like for instance, or what? The, why do we have that value? Like, why is the value of giving um, so important? Um, or you know, why you know why is that? Well, and, and I think the other thing is that we as a culture are have exceptions and we take values. We make values what we think they should be so so it's like saying i value commitment between people right but i don't value gay marriage okay um well so that's, that's a double standard right and well yeah but that's sort of a that's sort of a different subject i mean you said two statements there and okay they're, they're sort of separable and they're they're both very interesting the first statement was that we pick our values the ones that we like uh -huh. which is i mean that definition of values um, choosing the values that are consistent with your self-interest and your desires, that doesn't sound like much of a value at all. That sounds like a preference or just um, a life decision or something mm -hmm. like that. And I mean, like, is that is that your position on what values should be? Should well, you I think that it's many people's positions and how they express their values. And well, well, and I guess the other thing too is that we're going to be discussing later is about the value of hatred. That some people value that heterosexuality is the only norm, and that all other anything outside of that norm or it should be destroyed. Oh, absolutely, and that's that's and something so, that we should definitely try to change without question. But but it's a value, it, a, tradi it a, value. a traditional value. Well, the, so the destruction we, of homosexuality isn't a traditional value. the The normativity of of you know heterosexual man wife coupling. That is a traditional value, but the idea that we should destroy homosexuals—that's extremism. Well, that's but always I think, been extremism. But, but wait a minute—that's the same. But I think that that is—that's all in the same thought that the person has. Well, okay. I mean, if you no, and that's that's certainly a position that is worth holding. It's a position I hold that um, you should there should be no hate. You shouldn't hate people from a different you know set of beliefs. Um, you should try to get along with them, especially in a country with our cultural heritage. Mm -hmm. But to go from that. And to say, to go from, you know, some of these values are bad, and then to proceed that by making something like the value horror show, which just attacks everything all at once. And in a way, it equates all those, those values to one sort of oafish, violent, virulent system. That's, um, that's, that's slander. Well, well, do you think that it's also um, an opportunity and a way of... Like I said earlier, looking at it through a different lens, I would say that <clears throat> many organizations like the American Family Association takes values and make it into um, something that serves them. They define values in such a way that it serves them, and they use it as a tool and a reason to attack others. No, they, they definitely do that. So 
um, I I mean, I guess in some way in following that you could say the Values Horror Show is like the American Family Association. Yeah, but I don't I don't think we should be trying to copy them. They're not really the paragon of reason in our society. Okay. So I mean that's I mean it's something that and there I mean there's more of it. Like as I look through, basically every time I look at the you know we've got things like challenge gender rule days, express your resistance to gender rules. Mm-hmm. You've got things like um, let me see, oh the uh, the U of M School of Art and Design. They show a child growing up. And it's a multimedia show drawing a schematic map of the forces that constitute us as gender normals. The center installation hones in on the moment where a child learns about gender, tries to decipher what it entails, and then struggles to situate him or herself in the power game of gender normality. Mm-hmm. I mean, by equating gender normality to a power struggle, don't you think that that's um, an oversimplification of values themselves? And a, a simplification Ooh, that we could... I don't know about that one. And I don't think it's... I don't find that simple at all. I think if anything, I mean, we have to talk about things in exaggeration in order to understand them, right? We we talk about things in exaggeration because we need a way to deconstruct them. And so um, we often talk about extremes in the way... So when we talk about homo- hate and homophobia, mm-hmm. we'll talk about Fred Phelps. Fred Phelps is not the type of hate and homophobia we encounter every day, though. Yeah. But it, if we can't talk about Fred Phelps and his hate, then we are un, we are not apt to talk about any sort of hate. No, that's absolutely true. But but we don't want to become like Fred Phelps. And one of the mark, you know, the demarcation of Fred Phelps is that instead of considering the homosexual group as you know something that's diverse and has good points and has points that they need to fix, mm-hmm. he thinks of us as um as deviants and, and people who need to be um absolutely you know, marginalized. And so if we, you know, if we take his rationale, if we take his rationale of overgeneralizing things and, uh, and attacking things and, you know, making a mockery of them, then in a way we become what we hate. Well, I think that overgeneralization used by him is the rule. And overgeneralization, uh, exaggeration on generalization used by, for example, uh, Gender Rules Day um, is talking about an exception and talking about, like, why are we we're breaking a gender norm and this is why and i'm gonna say (laughs) and and i'm gonna say well why not take a break now (laughs) and definitely revisit this um because we have chris on the phone and um we're gonna take a quick break um and uh, we'll be back and we're gonna like uh this is really good i really want to revisit this issue so because i don't think we're done and um this is good so uh we'll have chris on the phone and we're gonna be talking about we're gonna follow up and see uh how his voting did um when we had him on last week so with a regarding the Oscars. Hello, welcome back. You're listening to Closets for Clothes in WCBN-FM, 88.3 Ann Arbor. And we have on the phone with us uh, someone who joined us last week, um, a movie guru. <laughs> and he was willing to come back? And he was. <laughs> Chris, are you there? Hey, howdy, gentlemen. Hi, Chris. <laughs> How's it going? Good, good. We have an additional person with us. If you haven't heard um, our conversation earlier, we have Hampton with us. Yeah, so but I, I devoutly avoid the Oscars, so I'm probably not going to be much use here. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. 
So, so let's look at the list that we made for you, Chris. <laughs> oh, God. Did you guys keep track of it? Oh, absolutely. So for leading actor, you said Forrest Whitaker, and you were correct. Woohoo! For supporting actor, you said Eddie Murphy, and you were incorrect. But that was so surprising. That by was so way, surprising. This is, by the way, the first time I've heard the winners of the Oscars. So this is a little well, bit exciting for me. Forrest Whitaker won. Good job. So yeah. we should lost. say the Oscar went to. The Oscar went to, because you know they can't say and the winner is anymore. That's right. Really? Because so, no. we're all winners. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's it. I don't know if that's yes, it. Yes, Chris? Chris, you there? Yes, sir. Oh, okay, yes. <laughs> um, so you didn't get supporting actor, correct? Hello, Chris? Chris is. I think Chris has committed seppuku out of shame for uh -oh, not, uh -oh. not getting the Oscars correct. Oh god. Oh. Chris, it's okay. It's just a mistake. Really, it's okay. So what else? Don't so be mad. I like Chris. I like him. So you know, he got it right for leading actress. He got Helen Mirren. Absolutely. Um, and I just saw a picture of her getting off of a plane with uh, her Oscar in one hand and a bottle of whiskey in the other. So. Oh, that's hysterical. And didn't she go to visit the actual queen? Well, they're talking about she might have tea with the queen. So oh, okay. Um, Chris said that supporting actress with Jennifer Hudson and Jay Hud did indeed win. Woohoo! Huh. Um, cinematography, or what else did he vote on? He uh, voted there was on also uh, directing? Directing. He voted? Well, well yeah. with us. <laughs> <laughs> and I think we're bringing Chris back on, or we're attempting to, yes. rather. But we also, for the directing, he, he got he that did. one He did. He got it right for The Departed, Marty he Scorsese. Got Scorsese. Yeah. He did. And Scorsese has the bushiest eyebrows ever. <laughs> they are like woolly caterpillars trying to meet and mate on and, his and face. Some of the people that I was seeing, that I was, they were saying, that, gosh, why does he always wear those glasses? Why not? And I'm like, because that's his signature. I mean, and those glasses. And he's blind and, uh, and he needs them. Oh, I didn't know that part. Oh, <laughs> well, I didn't know that. he's not blind, but he oh. needs glasses. Got it. So, but, but, well, I guess a different pair. Like, you know, maybe context or something. So, best picture went to The Departed, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. it did. I yeah. heard about that one. Yeah, see? Yeah. So, a, did you that see that? was a sweet movie. Yeah, it was. There's lots of cursing. Yeah, that, well, I mean, uh, no <laughs> comment on that. No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> lots of cursing. <laughs> oh, are you a big fan of, uh, uh, are you a big Marky Mar or Mark Wahlberg or Matt Damon fan or Leo I like DiCaprio? I like all those guys. I like... I like Damon. He does good movies. That's uh -huh. something I, he really doesn't pick really crummy movies. You oh, know? I don't know. What about that one he where he played Greg Kinnear's twin? What he played? Oh no, the the, the he, Siamese, Siamese twin, twin. Yeah, okay, that was everyone makes was poor choices. Everyone <laughs> makes poor choices. <laughs> yeah, no, let's that's... just talk about how Halle Berry went from Oscar winner to Catwoman. <laughs> well, you know that was probably in the can already, Rough. and she, uh, well, you know, she stayed in the can. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody so, needs a payday. Everyone, everyone needs, needs a payday. So, so he picked Little Miss Sunshine, but he was being a little optimistic. So he liked Little Miss Sunshine. He liked it a lot. And Chris, I am speaking for you. And <laughs> um, for screenplay adapted, he chose The Departed, and I have no idea who won that. Who won that? Oh, uh, I don't. Screenplay adapted. I don't know. I should pull that up. You know that guy's gonna write a screenplay for Departed too. Yeah, I know. It kind of cheapens it a little bit. Departed too. Yeah, I know. I, I just don't want it to become like you know Hannibal. And I then really hope Hannibal and then Rising, Rising and, uh, and, you know, and all that. Hannibal the Next Generation. <laughs> well, maybe it's going to be exactly. something about like you know hairstyles. Like you know he departed it over here oh, and then no. he maybe parted it over Get there. Out. <laughs> Get out! Get <laughs> out! Like, um, we need that. We need like sound effects now, like the wah, banana peel wah, sound wah. effect or something like that. <laughs> 
who says we don't? Anyway, no. That's <laughs> <laughs> kidding. Okay, so it looks like. Oh, did you see the costume design part of it? That was. Oh wait. Oh yes. They did like a little. Uh, Good. Chris. Hey guys. Sorry. Uh-huh. Technology sucks. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, you just. We were just about to um, personally attack your your character. So. <laughs> welcome. Oh, no. That's what. We, <laughs> that's what we do after we suspect that someone has died. We immediately go to. The <laughs> that's personal right. attacks on the character. I wonder if he's okay, but it doesn't matter because his <laughs> pants are ugly. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I'm. I'm just kidding. I can't see your pants. Are you wearing them? Or? <laughs> and then the show took a horrifying turn. Yes, yes, it did. So we were talking about how you did. So you got a- leading actor correct. Yeah, you got yes, supporting actor up, uh, wrong, supporting actor, which wrong. was Alan Arkin, which won for one of my favorite movies of the year. So that's okay. That's right. <laughs> that's we were right. just talking about how how you how you so enjoyed Little Miss Sunshine. Yeah, and I was disappointed that it didn't win Best Picture, um, but Loser. I like The Departed enough <laughs> to be satisfied with that win. Um, but. I don't know. I think Little Miss Sunshine would have been the Academy's second second choice, though. I have to say. <laughs> you think? It, it probably was. Yeah, it absolutely. So then you said for leading actress, you said Helen Mirren, and you yeah, got that correct. I knew she would win that. Uh huh. And then supporting actress that was in the bag, Jay Hud. Now, yeah. who, did you? Who did you say for cinematography? Did you pick someone? Um, for cinematography, did you say? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, he chose the one that won, right? Right, Chris? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. It was, it, it was Pond's. Uh, yeah, it was Pond's, wasn't it? Uh, yes, it was. Yes. P- yeah, Pan's yeah, Labyrinth yeah. won. I don't think you asked me that. Oh, what, uh, did, they, what did Pan's Labyrinth win? Um, I think you won, did one cinematography. Cool. It won a bunch yeah. of stuff, actually. It also won foreign language film. Yeah. Yeah, it it wasn't more than I thought it I've was. heard like oh. universally great things about it. Yeah, I've heard that it's really good and sort of like upsetting, but really good. Hmm. And what were you yeah. saying, Chris? Now, what, Chris, what is Pan's Labyrinth about? Because I did not see that one. Um, you know, um, that's a good question. I just know that it's a foreign film. Um, okay. I can tell you what it's made about. made by a Mexican director. <laughs> oh, okay. It's about, and, it's um, about the Spanish Civil War. It's oh, kind of like an adult fantasy. Um, okay. You know, take Harry fantasy. Potter and give it a radar. Um, <laughs> Got it. Okay. Radar, I think Harry Potter's you know, doing the... some rated R work right now, actually. <laughs> yeah, that X. cracks me up. Yes. <laughs> Um, okay, and you said for best picture, you said Little Miss Sunshine. Yes, and um, you know I, that was just me hoping earlier. Yeah, I, and you know I, I and of... you and I had spoken earlier. I had hoped the Queen would win, but indeed it was it was The Departed. Yeah, yes. well at least Helen got the uh, best actress. Award. That's right. That's right. But you had to have known that she was going to take it. I mean, I talked to her right before it, so <laughs> right. <laughs> so for screenplay adapted, you said The Departed. Yeah, and who took that? Um, and it was the target thing, and then uh, original screenplay was Little Miss Sunshine, I believe. Oh, uh-huh. okay. And I, I and you said the queen on that. Oh, did I? Yeah. I it's Little Miss Sunshine. Uh, uh, nope. I, uh, I have you down for the What queen. was I drinking? Was, I don't know. I don't know. So what was your favorite Oscar moment this time around, Chris? Um, I had several. Ellen, of course. Of course. <laughs> um, definitely. Ellen made the show. She had so many good good moments like when she went out in the audience and um asked steven spielberg steven spielberg to take a picture of her and clint eastwood and, and then she <laughs> so was she like oh no can you can you take that one over again <laughs> <laughs> oh then uh, hey, go ahead and let's see i also you know one surprise win for me i don't know if you were surprised but when Miss, melissa Esfridge won i was totally surprised absolutely yeah. I, and you know yeah. i think it's because the dream girls i think that they split the votes 
Yeah, I think so too. It was a great moment, though. I think she was surprised too. She looked, she looked ba- kind of baffled when the camera. <laughs> and I love that she she said first off, like, "I want to thank my wife." Like, I'm like, "Awesome, you go." Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, that me. was great. Um, so that was a favorite moment of mine um, because I, everyone was saying that listen would take it. So right, I bet you uh, Beyonce, Beyonce was song. pissed. And um, I really liked the the Dreamgirls performance. Yeah, yeah. Near the end. Yeah, it was cool. Um, what about Oscar Goofs or anything that you felt were like, ugh, Oscar, what have you done? Um, well, the show itself was kind of bloated. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it was, there was so much to it, and I think it got over about twelve thirty. Yes, yeah, um, it was rough. So there was there was a little bit of hokey stuff that could have been cut, um, but but some of the hokey stuff I kind of liked. Like I liked Will Ferrell and uh, John C. Riley. Yeah, that was um, pretty funny. The musical yeah, getting number. up there and, uh-huh. and making fun of themselves. <laughs> Did you like the the people, the shadow people? I actually enjoyed that. Yeah, I thought that was really really creative. And so now, why in the world do they have like the penguins? Why did they do the snakes on an, on an airplane? I don't understand why. What they what what why they're so Hampton's giving me a, a surprise look. So it was these dance troupe, and they perform from behind a white screen. Oh, okay. And then they roll onto screen, and then they make shapes with their bodies, and it's yeah. Amazing. I, that pretty I loved when Ellen got caught behind the screen. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that was good. Oops. Yes. Yeah. They had some nominations for snakes on a plane. No, well, that's why. No. I, that's why I was wondering why they did that one. I didn't quite understand why they. This the... is just such a cultural phenomenon. You know? <laughs> snakes on a plane. Yeah. I actually sent the Samuel L. Jackson like you could the voicemail. Yeah, I, sent I the got voicemail that to like a lot of my friends. <laughs> <laughs> and that was an incredible movie. Let me tell you. <laughs> well, the, the highlight of the movie was the music video at the end of it. I thought oh that yeah, was, that was yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, that was pretty <laughs> hilarious. You know, that was like some. The son of like some executive at the movie studio who yeah, has a band. <laughs> Dad, <laughs> can you put really these things in the plane? So, Chris, best dressed. Oh, um, I have I have several actually, um, but I would say Penelope Cruz. Um, yeah, I loved how her, her her hair was pulled back and her her dress was like a pale peach strapless Versace gown, and she made it she made it look so effortless and uh, yeah, and she had a great loved- ruffled train. It was beautiful. Yeah, you yeah. know, I really she, felt like I could pick her up and dust with her, though. Uh, <laughs> she was fluffy at the bottom. <laughs> well, you know, uh, but you know, then Ellen did try to vacuum underneath you know, vacuum her. Underneath her, that was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, <she did. laughs> Who else? Um, Reese Witherspoon. Ooh, um, I thought she looked sick. Oh, did you? Yeah, she had bags in her eyes. She should have checked those and not carrying them on. <laughs> oh, oh! <laughs> you asked me about fashion. <laughs> That's right. There you go. Absolutely. I wasn't paying attention to their bags under their uh, eyes. Well, what about Jack Nicholson and his, uh, his, bald, head? his bald head? That's right. Well, yeah, that was unexpected. <laughs> he, looked, he looked like... Well, yeah. no, my understanding, I thought... <laughs> he looked like Gollum, except fatter and louder. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was sunglasses. <laughs> it was sunglasses, right. Well, I mean, I think he was... The reason why he's doing because he's in the middle of doing a movie where he has cancer or something uh, like right. this, or his character oh, really? has cancer. And I oh. thought it was just a supporting role for uh, Britney Spears. So oh. <laughs> uh, that's what I was thinking. By the way, I, I think I'm the only person on Earth... I think Britney Spears looks hot like that. I do. Oh, all right. Okay. okay, yeah, you are Good. the only person on Earth. Next. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, worst dressed. Who, who didn't oh. pull it off? Um, I also have several here. I think that... It was Nicole Kidman, but I think Meryl Streep. <sighs> I love Meryl Streep, but she cannot dress. No, okay, so Meryl Streep, I agree. Like, her accessories, she needs to stop. I, I don't know. We were talking they about were, the fake plastic. She had these o- oversized, gaudy, beady necklaces It's true. On, it's true. She looked, she looked so frumpy. <laughs> frumpy would be the good word. And, you know, I really feel like um, 
Uh, I love Nicole Kidman's dress. I think she looked oh. classic. Oh, no. She she had that big bow on the top. She looked like a Christmas present. I wanted to unwrap her and put another dress on her. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought her hair down one side was kind of cool. But, yeah, no. Yeah, her, her, did you say her hair? Kind of like That's the Captain Planet villain? The Captain, yes! Yeah, the covering her one eye. Yeah, right. Yeah, but except Nicole he Kidman is our isn't hero. He's going to take pollution down to, down zero. to zero. I hear yeah. that. Um, and yeah, so anything else? What else did you think about the Oscars? Any parting? Um, well, I still have one more worst dress. Oh, so. who? Who? <laughs> um, Jennifer Hudson. <gasps> yeah, I liked her her maroon dress, but she looked uh, lost in space with it. Okay, it so I have heard that so often, like Jennifer Hudson, Next Generation, Jennifer Hudson, yeah. beam me up. I liked her her shrug. It was like a oh. silver. I'm gonna fight you. <laughs> it looks like uh, it looks like it was gonna eat her. Whatever. It looked great. She looked like she was blooming. The only thing about her dress I did not like is it had pockets, and she kept putting her hands in them. Well, the uh, reason is is because she didn't know what to do with her hands. Well, she like, should have so put them by why. her side. Well, but the thing was is she didn't know. No, no, it's unacceptable. The oh. pockets make her look more frumpy than she already is. Got it. And That's I have true. written a strongly worded email, and I will CC <laughs> to you. To my senator. <laughs> <laughs> did, did you notice that uh, when she was performing with Beyonce that – her uh, her boobs looked like they were gonna walk away. No, oh, yeah. was scared. <laughs> they were they were bouncing. That's great. No problem with that. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So o- over overall, how would you rate this Oscars as compared to others? Um, no, I thought it was a really great show actually, despite the four hour length. Um, yeah. What was it last Ellen, year? I think Ellen really kept the momentum. What was? How long was it last year? Yeah. Is it, is it the sort of thing that just keeps growing and growing, kind of like the Blob, or I perhaps so. right. I think it does. Yeah. I think last year's was long too. <laughs> you know, right. it was probably about three and a half hours long. Yeah. Um, right. I think it was only three and a half hours. Because I think they like started at eight, but ended at eleven thirty-ish or something. Because I remember getting home much earlier last year. So. Yeah. By like 2017, yeah. it's going to be like a woods. It's going to be like an all day thing. An all day yeah. thing, right? They'll probably just fold it. They're going to have like sleeping words. bags, like in the audience. <laughs> <laughs> so well, that's excellent. Well, thanks a lot, Chris. Absolutely, okay. my pleasure, always. And we'll have you back on next ne- before next award season. We'll talk about. We'll do some movie reviews with you. How's that? Okay, yeah, that sounds great. All, All right, right. Well, guys. and you can always get a hold of Chris or read what he's uh, what he's reviewed lately right, in, uh, in Between, Between the, the Lines, lines right. which comes out every Thursday. So um, it's also on PrideSource dot com. Absolutely, yeah. great. great. Okay, thanks, Chris. Thanks a lot. And until again. next time, That's the balcony right. is closed. That's right. There you go. Okay, good, good. Balcony is closed. So what else is going on in the world? I mean, we were talking about a bunch of things. Um, is that my cue? Is that the... yeah, exactly? <laughs> 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 All right. Okay. So here's the news. Um, let me see. And I, I shouldn't be glib, it's a serious note. On February 13th, Andrew Anthos, a 72-year-old Detroit-area resident, was on a city bus when a man reportedly approached him and asked him if he was gay. The man continued to harass Anthos, followed him off the bus, and then beat him with a metal pipe. Andrew Anthos died last Friday. The murder has drawn little national attention, but Michigan-area activist groups are pushing to expand Michigan's hate crime law to include sexual orientation. Democratic State Senator Hanson Clark will introduce the legislation within weeks. Andrew Anthos, who was known in Michigan for his longtime campaign to illuminate the dome of the state capitol for one night each year in red, white, and blue lights. And we'll hear more from him later. In Hawaii, lawmakers today declined to vote on a proposal to create civil unions for gay couples, effectively killing the legislation. Over 400 people submitted extensive written and oral testimony for about five hours before a packed house of activists, but to no avail. Hawaii nearly legalized gay marriage more than a decade ago, but folded due to stiff public opposition from family advocacy groups and religious groups. 
The civil union proposal was meant to provide a compromise allowing equal protection without infringing upon the sanctity of marriage. But family advocacy groups thought otherwise. Kathy Rosati, a spokeswoman for the Hawaii Catholic Church and executive director for Hawaii Family Forum, said, this is essentially a re-examination of the same-sex marriage issue except with a different title. So no, um, no ground given up there. Largo, Florida, voted Tuesday night to fire its longtime city administrator after he revealed that he is embarking on sex reassignment. Stephen Stanton worked as chief executive of the city for 14 years. He had intended to reveal his transgender identity later in the year, but a local paper outed him. After being outed, Mayor Pat Gerard expressed her support for Stephen Stanton and insisted that he would retain his duties. However, several members of the city commission circulated a motion that Stanton be fired. Commissioner Mary Black, who led the drive to fire Stanton, said... I do not feel he has the integrity, nor the trust, nor the respect, nor the confidence to continue as the city manager of the city of Largo. What a difference! Wow. Yeah, what a difference a week makes, huh? Oh my word! Yeah. Last week, worldwide Anglican leaders assembled in Tanzania to discuss the consecration of Bishop Gene Robinson, first openly gay Episcopalian bishop. The result was an ultimatum to the U.S. denomination to unequivocally pledge not to consecrate another gay bishop. If it doesn't, the church. If it uh, if it doesn't. Uh, um, conform to this ultimatum, the church risks a, multi, a much reduced role in the Anglican family of churches. Bishop Gene Robinson has issued a statement encouraging the U.S. denomination to reject the ultimatum. He said, quote, doesn't Jesus challenge the greater whole to sacrifice itself for those on the margins? And he added, now is the time for courage, not fear. Let me see. Um, in other news, Moscow Mayor Juri Lushkov has called gay satanic and banned gay pride last year and is threatening to do so again this year. Yesterday, he met for a yearly sit-down with the mayors of London, Paris, and Berlin, two of whom are gay. Paris's mayor, Bertrand <laughs> Delanoa, and Berlin's mayor, uh, Klaus Wovereit, are both gay. And the mayor of London is a longtime gay rights activist. The issue of his homophobic <laughs> remarks was broached, and the three mayors advised him that he made his nation seem backward and reactionary. That's great. Whoops. I could not have done that better. Awkward. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, um... In more, glo- in more national news, the stock market bounced back. Dow Industrial Average rose by 0.5% after falling yesterday by 4%, the largest fall since, you know, the dinosaurs. Federal Reserve <laughs> officials saying sweet nothings to investors, hugs were exchanged all around, and everyone promised each other that they'd never fight again. Phew. So it looks like you can put away your Mad Max survival kit for now. Civilization lives on to fight another day. Oh. Or at least the stock market, right? Yeah. That's right. And um, finally, in personal news. Oh! Personal news. I... I'm coming out <gasps> right here, right now. To what? Wow. I, and this is going to be a shock to you guys, uh-huh. I'm straight. Oh. Wow. That's true. I like the pink. So, yeah, I, I got on this radio show to engage in a dialogue, and um, I got to say, I, I I'm really impressed. I think that you guys are, I mean, when I came in, I didn't realize the LGBT was so cogent and rational, and I still maintain a lot of my, uh, a lot of my, uh, my uh, whatever that word is called. But, um, but yeah, good job, Great. guys. You guys have really sort of converted me a little bit. Wow. To what? To, um, <laughs> to being more... Because I get a free toaster after I convert, like, you know, 10, I get one free toaster. After <laughs> that's right. Exactly. Well, it's a pyramid scheme. So. <laughs> <laughs> but no, so, uh, so yeah, that's the news. Wow. Great. Well, Hampton, we've enjoyed the conversation, so we hope that uh, you'll consider coming back on and sort of we can yeah, see you know, what... The, I, I thought that I thought that this was going to be um, I thought that this was going to be more of like a, an argument. I was like, and it, it broke my heart because uh, because you're a really friendly guy and you're a friendly guy, yeah. 
But um, yeah, I'm, I'm seriously considering like um, staying on the show, and in sure. fact, I will. Okay, well, great, great, terrific. Well, good. So that was Hampton Juanita. Um, <laughs> oh man, I'm not living that one. Down. Our no, sometimes news correspondent, um, who wins the 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 shitster stick of the day? Uh, you can't say that. Oh, I on can't. Radio? No, you can't say that on oh, the radio. I said stickster, stickster. <laughs> Stickster Award. Oh goodness! So, so, um, so one of the things that you were talking about earlier, um, Hampton, and was about Andrew Anthos, and so, and one of the things that I, I, I was really touched by with, with regarding the hate crimes that were going on in the area, especially, the, especially southeastern Michigan, and and throughout the nation, and so one of the things that I thought was at this time, especially on his, um. Uh, the day of his funeral, um, mm-hmm. is a talk to Melissa Pope from the Triangle Foundation. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, she is the um, uh, director for Advocate... Um, She's the Victim Advocate for Triangle Foundation. Thank you very much. Right. And um, so, Melissa, are you... I am here. Yay. <laughs> Thank you so much. I, today has been probably quite a a trying day, because you had also attended the memorial service last night and the uh, funeral t- today. Yes, I have. So thank you for taking the time and uh, uh, being with us. I I just want to say thank you to you for um, addressing the topic. It's very important, obviously, to both Triangle, to literally the hundreds of people that we've heard from, as well as, most importantly, to the family, to really have the story heard so that people can take action. Absolutely. So can you paint the picture for us? Tell us a little bit about... Um, what the scene was today at the memorial service and last night. I was very happy that it was mostly people who knew Andrew very well. There was lots of family, family from actually all different branches, and some of them had met for the first time um, here at the funeral and at the funeral home. That was very emotional, I think, for all of them, and what they found was that they could share these beautiful stories that they had about him. Mm. At the funeral itself, there was the family, many members of the family who spoke. But then people came who he had touched their lives from the library, from the post office, from his um, campaign to light the Capitol Dome. All of these different parts of his life came together at this funeral today. And it was was very beautiful. Um, And then we actually spent some wonderful time sharing the, the fun stories, the funny stories at uh, the luncheon afterwards. So it was, I think, very good for the family. It was very supportive for them, and it gave a chance for people to really grieve together but also to celebrate his life. Certainly an appropriate uh, way to honor uh, a really joyful soul, right? That's, and that's exactly what everybody said. And, in fact, at the lunch, one of the, the most fun and yet touching things was throughout all of the stories, they would talk about how much Andrew would celebrate other people's victories, other people's mm. accomplishments, and how when it was something really good, he would give them a standing ovation. <laughs> and everybody at the luncheon gave Andrew a standing ovation. Oh, today. wow. Fabulous. That's great. So now we hear about these type of um, hate crimes happening, you know, like, oh, about once a year. And when something's happened, like, for instance, last year, I think there was somebody who was uh, shot in the face, I think it was? That, that's correct. Sal Venati. Um, he had been, a assailant came up to him and uh, called him a fag and shot him point blank, blank in the face. It is, quite frankly, a miracle that he survived. Absolutely. He was in a coma for eight months, and he's now in a lot of different types of therapies to regain as 
many skills as he possibly could have before the shooting. Exactly, exactly. And, and, and so we hear about these things, I guess, in the news about once a year, but I, I, have, a, I have a feeling that this, is, that this happens more frequently. It does. Actually, it does. And the victim doesn't always die. Those are the ones that we probably hear the most about. Right. Um, but it happens on a regular basis, including in the state. Frighteningly enough, too, um, th- there's an organization that is the National Coalition of Anti-Violence Programs. There's, uh, and I'm sorry, I don't know the exact number. I think it's mm-hmm. around 26 anti-violence programs like Triangle across the country. And we do gather statistics throughout the year of, of things that people have reported to us. And we then all report them, and it's analyzed, and, and they look at what the trends have been. And we're seeing an increase. Right now, there are about five or six incidents just within the last couple of weeks across the country. Mm. And that's, you know, that's, that's very frightening. Um, it doesn't seem, you know, in a time when we're supposed to be talking about tolerance and we're supposed to be talking about acceptance, it seems that it is going in the opposite direction. And and why and what seems to be going on that there 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 seems to be an increase of these hate crimes? Well, I think that first of all we've had the problem of the fact that legislation in general doesn't include gays, lesbians, bisexuals, and transgender. Um, even like I, I can't get over the amount of shock that I've heard from people. They say, "Well, we have hate crime legislation in Michigan, but mm. yes, but it doesn't include this right. group," mm-hmm. and and that's very surprising to them. In Michigan, too, we don't have protection for against employment discrimination, against housing discrimination, any of these things. The, the GLBT community is left out of all of those facets. And I think that that exclusion builds an atmosphere where it is okay to discriminate. When you add in here in Michigan that only a couple of weeks ago we got a ruling from the Court of Appeals that says discrimination with regard to domestic partner bene- benefits is okay, um, you see it really an environment of discrimination. And I'm not saying by any means that the, that the Court of Appeals judge, judges, you know, that that's what they advocate or that's what they want, but that's the result. So are you, are you seeing then a response then by authority figures or by legislators to say that this is not the message we want to send? Are, are I, I, I think we have seen that. And Senator... Um, Hanson Clark is, is going to be one of the legislators who's going to be taking the lead on this with regard to covering, of course, um, the GLBT community in hate crime legislation. But there's a lot of other bills that are going to be coming up. One of, one of our big ones that, that is very important to us is the anti-bullying bill. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> through that bill, we would have the opportunity to really address that type of discrimination in high schools and grade schools. And let's face it, kids learn, you learn this behavior. And if you can get to children and teach them that this is not an okay environment, then hopefully that will go with them longer. Well, and in I th- fact, I just had a meeting with um, somebody from uh, Ozone House who was talking about that and talking about all of the gay teen youth that they work with in their homeless teen program and how when they, as authority figures, say to these kids, we are not going to tolerate discrimination, that that really works. Really? Yes, that they really see that working with the kids. When they see, when the kids see the adults saying, this is not acceptable, they follow that role. It's not really surprising. I mean, that was my experience when, uh, when, I, went to, when I went to grade school, when I was in fourth grade. Uh, there was a girl who was constantly getting picked on, and it took one day 
one day where the teacher just excused her from class and sat down all the kids and said, look, you're going to stop this. And that was it. And, it, I mean, like, it didn't go away completely, but it went away to a large degree. Wow. They just need to have the message heard. And that's actually what we, we hope with our legislation. Obviously, uh, we have to have legislators who are willing to introduce that. And we are seeing that, and we're seeing tons of, of co-sponsors coming on. And it is on, in both the House and the Senate um, with trying to get rid of bullying, trying to add GLPD community to um, – discrimination bills and second parent adoption, all these things that we are hopeful now will start to move through the legislature and perhaps change the environment here in Michigan. Absolutely. So do you think it really has a chance? I mean, you, like we were talking about earlier this um, when we were before the show of uh, that we've been working on this for 20 years. And do, do you think that with the re- recent death of Andrew and other things that are going on that we can actually add um, this to the to the jar hate crimes bill here in Michigan. I, I think it's one of the best chances we've had in a very long time. Gotcha. Um, I, I'm not sure if you're aware, but when the original legislation was being proposed, it did include the LGBT community. Yes. And then that was eliminated pretty much at the last minute. And of course, places hmm. like Triangle Foundation have worked for the last, like you said, two decades, yeah. trying to get this in there. Um, I think that the fact that we have a 72 year old gentleman who tried throughout his entire life to make things better being murdered simply for being gay perhaps will whether it be touch the people who are in power outrage them um, or for that matter their constituency to say it, it is time to say no to this type of behavior and I am hopeful I am very hopeful Melissa, why do you think this hasn't gotten national attention? It actually has. Um, it hasn't gotten it on, you know, the same level as, let's say, something like the Matthew Shepard murder. Um, and I don't know if you saw on our website that the Shepard Foundation did actually release a letter mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, of their support for the family and uh, outrage at this hate Absol- crime. Absolutely. But I think that something that Jeff Montgomery, our executive director, said is very true. In cases like the Matthew Shepard murder, you had the um, murderers in custody almost right away. Right. And so you had a place to focus the mm-hmm. outrage and focus the attention. And it makes it a little bit more difficult when we're still searching for that person. So um, do you so think in, in the absence of a perpetrator, then the focus can be and should be on the anti-bullying and the non-discrimination bills. That, that's, and, and I'm hoping that people will see that these, two, that these things are connected. I mean, that's obviously one of our goals right now is to um, have people understand what this can mean to tolerance and acceptance in the state of Michigan. And I mean, I actually am pretty confident from the aggressive uh, work of the police department that they will find the attacker. But that's not going to stop the next person from killing somebody because they're gay. And so, so by putting legis- by simply putting legislation together, that 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 should bring the, the the hate crimes down. I think it sends a message, and that's something you know. When we had talked earlier today, I started thinking about that question about what is the difference between a hate crime and a murder. And I think the difference is that when you have somebody who's committed a hate crime. They're sending a message to an entire group of people that they're not welcome and that they should be afraid. 
Um, that is the difference. And, and, and it's afraid for who they are. It's not something in general that they can control either. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, so I think that creating an environment where we're saying we won't tolerate you as, as an offender trying to make this group afraid um, will, I mean, it's not, it doesn't mean that there's never going to be a hate crime again. Right. I mean, we, we've, seen, we've seen lynchings since um, different civil rights uh, bills were passed and things like that. So wow. it doesn't just completely go away. But if the community can come together and say this is not acceptable here and want to find the assailant and teach um, tolerance and acceptance, then I think we're going to see a reduction in those crimes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Definitely. Well, the, one of the things that we were definitely, I, that I had learned about um, Andrew is that he was also quite an activist himself. Yes. Um, and um, could uh, you talked briefly earlier about how uh, how how you have met him in the past? Uh-huh. Yes, and it was actually it, it's kind of an interesting story to the extent that um, when I first, quite frankly, when I first saw him in the hospital, I didn't make the connection. Mm. Um, he was beat that bad. He was he was um, black and blue, and he was swollen on the side of his face. I mean, the, the blow of the attack paralyzed him. Wow. So it was, I mean, it was a vicious attack. And it was a lead, from my, I'm sorry not to be so graphic, but it was with a lead pipe yes. by, from behind, yes. from my understanding. And the person, and it was, a, uh, from, my, from my understanding, a young person. Yes. Um, so. We believe in the early 20s. My understanding, too, is that they do have a sketch now of okay. the attacker. Great. And we're, we're going to be hopefully getting that soon from the police department, and we'll be publicizing that as well as the news station. Fabulous. Um, but, yes, he was young. He started to ask Andrew on the bus if Andrew was gay. Um, there's varying reports about what Andrew, you know, replied to him as far as whether he said yes or just didn't say anything. My understanding from what he had been like is that he would have said yes. He was very open about being gay. Right. And the attacker proceeded to follow him off the bus, and then that's where he attacked him. Definitely. And I'm sorry, I forgot. No, it's okay. So, so I, like, I just want to make sure that people also realize that it wasn't just a, you know, a, a tri- he tripped. I guess that's the thing I wanted to make sure I'm people sorry, knew. What? I just want to make sure he wasn't tripped. I mean, I just wanted to make sure people understood it oh, wasn't no. an attack of where he was just tripped and hit the cement hard. It no. was, no. it was a brutal crime. And, and so and when, when Andrew was lucid, because he he didn't pass right away. I mean, he mm-hmm. he held on for ten days, exactly. and he was lucid at, at for several days and talked to the family and did tell them on two separate occasions that the assailant called him a fag um, just before he hit him. And one of the yeah. witnesses saw when they didn't see um, the actual physical contact, but turned around when they heard silence and saw the assailant standing over him, ready, you know, with the lead pipe still raised. So, right. yes, this, there's, there's no question that he was attacked. Yeah, and, and 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 being that Andrew was such a gentle man, like you said earlier, and and you know that he 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 wasn't a, a ferocious person. No. He wasn't a, an aggressive person. He was a very gentle. I mean, like you were saying, we saw him a lot on the the on the the at the Capitol, trying yeah. to you know honk if you want the if you want exactly. the exactly exactly. And and that's where I saw him. Um, I've got I've talked to I lived in Lansing for a while. And I've talked to family there, too, and we talked about signing petitions. And right. when, when he would just stop, you know, and, and start talking to him, it wasn't always about lighting the dome, either. You know, it, it was um, 
that, that stopping somebody, hi, how are you doing today? Yes. You know, really a, a genuine interest about how somebody's doing. Always trying to pick people's spirits up. Yes, yes. And, and that's what makes it so hard with yes. him. Yes, absolutely. May I ask a question? Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I heard that there were efforts to keep his uh, campaign to light the uh, to light the dome um, alive and to keep Absolutely. them running. Absolutely. And actually, I, I do want to say here that there's um, support from legislators, oh, and there's right. support from other organizations as well. Um, some in Lansing, like Michigan Equality, and of course, most importantly, nice. <laughs> the family. Absolutely. They will be starting a foundation. They do have the name for it. And it's going to be called Buddy's Light. Which is his nickname was Buddy. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So. And they are absolutely positively committed to having this happen. And I think, too, now that there are a lot of legislators <coughs> who are realizing the beauty of somebody simply wanting to recognize our veterans and our law enforcement personnel, um, I think they're, they're really starting to see the beauty in that. And absolutely. I think that there will be a lot of strong support with getting that dome lit. I think that would be a great symbolic gesture representing both Buddy and what he stood for. Absolutely. Absolutely. Melissa, thank you so Yes, and I was going to say, Melissa, I, I just wanted to say, yeah, exactly. Thank you so much. And I was going to end the interview. There was a sound clip that we got from another radio station. Um, I think it's WKAR of Buddy actually talking about his Light the, Ca- Light the Capital campaign. Oh, how wonderful. So, finding that. Yes, and so I don't, I, I don't want you to I, – I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time. And then I was going to end the interview with that, with actually with, uh, with Buddy. Thank so. you very much. All right. This is my dream. Everybody has a dream, and Dr. King had a dream, and this is my dream for Michigan and country. Maybe all the other state capitals will light up and follow our example. My sign says, Honk, Dome Lighting 2005 for Michigan. Donations, the state capital. Now, uh, I don't know how much it'll cost because I can't find out, but thank you. See, they know who I am. If the people of Michigan can send in one penny, it shouldn't be any more than $200,000. I'll be 70 February 19th, 2005. That's why I want the Domelet for 2005, because I'll be 70. I began the campaign when I was 53, when I was living here in Lansing. And I've been campaigning faithfully since that time. I got 25,000 signatures from 88 to 1991. I got quite a few signatures from MSU from students from different parts of the world who said they like the idea. One fellow from Russia said, I think that would be a beautiful tribute for your country. And I was very pleased to hear them say that from Russia, with love. (laughs) Blanchard, he signed his name. But then when they contacted his office to see if he really signed his name to my poster that I drew of the Dolman Lights, he said, well, yes, I only signed it to make him happy, but I really don't endorse it. And John England will just ignore me altogether. I see him right here in front of the Capitol. He would just ignore me. So I figure, well, okay, no problem. I'll just go on. There's a fundraising campaign to raise a quarter of a million dollars to paint John England's portrait so it can hang in the state capitol. Now, I'm sure the people of Michigan are more worthy of being honored than John Matthias Engler. So if he can raise a quarter of a million dollars to have his portrait painted, surely we can raise $200,000 from 10 million people in Michigan to light the dome. Thank you. 
I was in Denver for a while. I was even campaigning for the lighting of the dome in Denver because the state capitol in Denver and the one in Austin, Texas was also de designed by the same gentleman who designed our state capitol here in a um, in a in a um, in Lansing, Elijah Elijah Myers. My dome lighting dream is is what I'm obsessed with. If I had the money, the dome would have been lit a long time ago. It's not expensive. It's not offensive or controversial. But if the dome is lit, I will not be here for the dedication because the dome should be the star of the evening. The night and the light should shine on the dome. I'm not going to give up. I mean, it's painful. And it's, there are times I felt like it. But I said, if I give up, I will have left nothing to my home state and left nothing to the people of my home state. It's a way of trying to, to bring some light into the world. to WCBN FM and I'm Good evening, everybody. You listen to uh, WCBN FM Ann Arbor, and uh, it's time for the Hop. This is your uh, soul and funk show, and uh, it's a two-hour show. And uh, it's actually uh, typically uh, Robert Wells' show, but he's on vacation, and so I'm subbing in for him. My name is Morgan, and uh, I'm going to try to play a good variety of stuff for you. Uh, we just heard a uh, Tower of Power with a uh, drum break called uh, Ebony Jam, and uh, now uh, we're going to hear something that's actually sort of more Latin, but uh, has the word soul in the title. And uh, it's, it's, uh, it's off Ray Barreto, who is a conga player. It's his record, Acid. And the track is A Deeper sh Shade of Soul. And then um, we should hear a good mixture of stuff. There might be a bit more 70s um, soul and funk than usual. Uh, but And I'll, I'll try to play a few 45s. And um, so I'll probably be back in a little while. So thank you for listening. 